Oh, the times, they are a-changing. At least for this week. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going well to well as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The World Championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! I don't understand. Because oh. Mercedes aren't... Oh, I see. Exactly. You've got Red Bull leading both... I'm sorry, I thought you went the tyres they are... No, times. Oh, no, times. No, no, times. I see. Yes, yes. I, see. I thought you were getting in the Mercedes digger. Oh, no. That, I could have. I could have. But uh, too kind. Are they, do we do we know if the uh, pit stop is over yet? Because last time I checked... It, it never stops, like, mate. It never stops. They were on like two days at this point trying to get that tyre off. I, I don't know, of... but... It's it. It's the fact they've had to like t- um, take it back to the factory or something to try and hammer it off. Yeah, <laughs> bonkers. Pretty bonkers. much unheard of. Yeah, it's it's so rare, and it's the fact that like yeah, it happened at that moment. Like oh, and to mm. them. Oh, anyway. Mm. Well, I'm sure we'll come to it, but it was it was it was just what we needed. I think. Add <laughs> 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 a little bit of spice. Yeah, yeah. A little spice. Yeah. To a, um, bit of a no. bit of a bland race. Anyway, um, yeah, so qualifying ended Leclerc, Max Verstappen, Bottas, Sainz and Norris. They made up the top five. And yeah. we said previously that qualifying is king. Well, that's on the provision that you can, of course, keep your race car intact. It finished Max Verstappen first, Sainz second, uh, Norris third, and then Perez fourth and Vettel fifth. Perez com- coming all the way from ninth, Vettel from eighth. Meanwhile, Lewis Hamilton was in a lowly seventh place. What do we think of that uh, jewel in the crown, if you will? Well, I think we should start a new segment on this podcast called Aged Like Milk, uh, <laughs> where we can go back and listen to all those things that we said last week. Didn't, can't we live? Uh, Lewis Hamilton was going to be on pole, I believe, and then followed by Bottas, um, as uh, we suggested. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, yeah. dear. So... Before you start pointing fingers at us and going, ah, I thought that wouldn't happen. And look at me, I'm a contrary to everything you say and therefore I got lucky. Do bear in mind that Monaco throws up all such surprises and Hamilton was having a particularly bad day. Now, um, hmm. we, we th- I thought it might be close between Verstappen and Hamilton. But what I didn't prepare myself for was the speed in which Ferrari would... Um, would go round that track. Well, it's well, crazy. well. I yeah. did say it may be fourth, but uh, yes, I wasn't expecting a first. I, I don't think anyone was expecting. I don't think Charles second, was predicting oh, that it was going to be that fast. Hence, why he slammed it into barriers. I mean, it, it's a brave move, though, isn't it? Right? You know. Uh, <laughs> so, going... I think we should yeah talk about qualifying. And do, do you think like what do you think about that instant? I'm I, you seem to be hinting that you think he did it on purpose. No. No, of course, I don't think he'd do a purpose. Well, he might have done the purpose. I don't think he would have risked the car if he's on pole. Because at the end of the day, even if um, Verstappen and Sainz had got in those quick laps that were were happening behind him, third would have been fantastic for him. Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I I don't see him doing that, especially like with when when a third would would have been fantastic, and also it's not worth damaging the car, as we can clearly see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know a lot of people said that he might have done so. Well, I think of course you might believe he 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 did, but the reality is, as you say, Liv, it's 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 a really dangerous thing to do um, because not not necessarily in terms of of your own driver safety. If you can gauge the speed quite right, you can probably crunch the 
the body body paneling and, and know that you're going to be okay but the mm. dangerous thing to do is as you say it's the day after when you actually want to use the car for the race um and all the damage to things like i don't know a gearbox the engine yeah. um and it just makes a mess for the rest of the team as well but you know if if you were of that mindset of you would do anything to win you might well park it into the barriers to prevent anyone else from taking the top spot. So it was a little bit cheeky, um, but at the end of the day, karma came round. Um, uh, why? But if if he'd done it, yeah, because I think his reaction was quite telling when they asked about the gearbox and he asked about would the car be ready and would it avoid a penalty and be able to start. And he looked over, grimaced, and go, "I don't know." I think we were thrown really by Ferrari, literally saying on Saturday nights. There is no serious damage to the gearbox, <laughs> which how they can make that claim, I, I will never know. And age yeah. like milk, absolutely. It's so poor that they didn't just—they they clearly checked what they thought they needed to check. But as a team of that caliber, how they did not find something that they would then find too late and it would—they wouldn't be able to race. I don't understand how how a team have just missed that and i think they said i saw something like where it was like the team are looking into how they could have possibly missed something and it's like well yeah of course you should be looking into it you're you're one of the best 10 teams apparently like supposedly in the world and uh, i was actually on the whole like if he'd done it on purpose or whatever in um indycar i was reading about this uh, yesterday i think um in indycar they have a rule that you're um your time is deleted um, if you're the one who caused the red flag during during qualifying. Ah. So it stops people doing that. Like I suppose you could get a teammate to do it, mm. um, but you're t- but in, in car, your team- car like a, yeah, no Alfa Romeo. Um, exactly. Yeah. But but in, in so in IndyCar, whether he'd done it on purpose or not, that would have been it for him. So it's interesting that I mean, lucky I suppose that that isn't <laughs> the case. But I, but you know, the, the FIA may consider doing that in the future. I'm not sure. But I, I say congratulations to him on the poll because I believe that he wouldn't have done that on purpose. And obviously, we'll talk. Come on into a minute how gutting the next day was for him. But on that, at his home race, um, you know, in it when in a year where Ferrari haven't exactly been excelling, you know, they've done well. They've done better than last year. But it wasn't. They weren't up at the front yet. And um, to achieve that that poll i think was was really fantastic and good for him really and his curse continues doesn't it at monaco you know you've got max verstappen smashing yet another sort of curse circuit for him but the fact that you were the fastest car on track and then you know you crash into the barriers one you think oh okay ferrari will take the the penalty he could get a few points looking at how well signs did and how well the the car was performing you know it's not the fastest but in terms of sort of slow speed downforce it's up there with the very best as qualifying would suggest but I mean, not just taking the penalty, you know, surrendering the car. It's 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 amateurish, really, and it, it baffles me how Ferrari can keep on making such basic errors like this. You know, it's, it's one thing to go and, you know, have a bad pit stop here or get strategy wrong there or, you know, have an illegal engine, etc. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but to go and go nah looks fine we won't change it and then there'd be literally no pole sitter on monaco you literally couldn't write it in my view 
Well, exactly, and this is the continuation of the tried and tested Ferrari strategy, consulting the Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> and uh, yet again, it didn't quite work out for them. Sometimes it does, um, and sometimes it doesn't. As I said, I think before, maybe they trade it in for a Ouija board and see if that works slightly <laughs> better. But the, I think the problem is, is they took the they took the risk of let's just start because I think there was a conversation in Ferrari which went something along the lines of we can't see anything that's wrong if we start in pole and Charles is a bit slow can Verstappen get past hmm. no no he can't because we know that it's really difficult to overtake and so I think there was i think if it was any other track they probably would have swapped the gearbox but i think ferrari gambled on the fact that they would if there were any issues there would be so sort of minor um, perhaps the gear selects wouldn't be wouldn't be quick or whatever um and so they just do the gamble and we don't know how many times gambles like this actually pay off i mean i suppose one might say that in the previous race mercedes is gamble to uh, get Hamilton's onto new tires in the 21 second gap um was was you know was could be amateurish if it if it didn't pay off so i think it was just bad luck and i think it was gutting for Charles Leclerc i mean if i was ferrari i would have changed the gearbox taken the 5 second penalty and started in fifth and and maybe knowing that you're so fast gone for the um overcut which was incredibly powerful during the race and then maybe got up to third i mean that's still a podium position that's what Norris did, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so there is definitely ways around it, but I think Ferrari wanted that glory. They they saw Charles Leclerc, saw that it was his home race, and thought, you know what, even if it goes a bit wrong, we can deal with this during the race. I don't think anyone realised they wouldn't even make it round to start in pole. So, I mean, my, the real question is, can does that mean Charles even got pole position? He didn't, did he? Because... To get pole position, you actually have to start on pole. So, yeah. Mm. It's, I think it's classified as on the starting grid that that's what he achieved. But, yeah, it, what's interesting, we were talking about how, like, um, the fact that the pole sitter didn't start on, didn't didn't even start, and there was an, obviously a blank um, s- spot there for him. What was interesting is that that the same thing happened, or not, it wasn't the same um, reason, but the same thing happened in F2. Marcus Armstrong qualified on pole and then had an issue that meant he couldn't start. He started well. He started from the pit lane, but so twice in one weekend, something that we rarely, rarely see, an empty pole position spot at the start of a race, and it, it really makes that that battle for a bit between you know the second, um, third, and fourth slots quite interesting when it comes like to the first corner and and how important that start is because there's a gap there with no car in it that you know that's a good place to head to. So I think. Um, it, yeah, it was super interesting, and it definitely added added a bit of interest, added extra interest. Um, yeah. When I found out um, that Charles had lost, I honestly, I, when I found out he wasn't starting, I was so, I didn't believe it. I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, it didn't, it was just didn't seem like. Obviously, it makes complete sense, but at the time, I was like, "This can't be true." Um, and <laughs> then, the, and then, obviously, finding out that. Obviously, it was so late on. Max wouldn't be. You can't just shift Max forward. He'd be starting on second. I was so interested to see that what would happen between Max and Valtteri, and I, I, I actually thought, um, sort of predicted silently to myself um, <laughs> when I heard it that um, that Bol- the Valtteri, <laughs> that Val- the Bottas would 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 um, you know get a good start from a, 
third but essentially second um and then that would be it and that would be another <laughs> mercedes uh, domination again so obviously we didn't get that and that it was fantastic that we saw some something a bit more exciting and mixed up but that 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 person missing off the front of the grid really was interesting and added something to both uh, F1 and F2 at, at Monaco. And to be fair, Bottas did nearly actually get Verstappen on the start. His launch was wicked and then Verstappen literally had to swing it over to, to cover him off. So um, it could easily have happened. But yeah, Valtteri Bottas, um, I think this race sort of surmises why I think the man will not win a single race in this season of F1. He was in second, Hamilton had pitted at lap 30, a 2.2 second stop. Fantastic. Bottas comes in, and put it this way, the pit stop is technically still going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's it was uh, the F1's uh, commentators um, who said that if Bottas didn't have the bad luck, he'd have no luck at all, which is such a shame, and... Oh, God, you know, I knew something was going to happen. I had this weird feeling watching it when I saw Bottas come in. I was like, hmm, I think something weird's going to happen now. And then you just heard the squeal of that wheel gun trying desperately to wrench that nut off. Uh, obviously, the uh, the the front, front left tyre had been put on by the same company that does pickle jars because it was impossible <laughs> to get the, 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 uh, the yeah get the the wheel nut off. Um, I, I suppose you might draw from that that you know that's if Bottas had had an accident, the wheel would have stayed on. So you know, a bit of safety there. But it's important to mention really, but why this might have happened, um, because if if you don't know what the wheel nuts are made of. Um, they're made of a magnesium alloy, which is pretty soft. And the amount of torque that those wheel guns produce means that if you don't get the thread correct on the nut when you rotate it, it doesn't really matter and they will cross thread. If you put enough torque into that, you'll you'll not only cross thread it, but you can basically fuse the, uh, the nut onto uh, the, the hub and that's it it's stuck so you can't get a thing off again and then of course when they try to get it off well the again the uh, the wheel guns have so much torque that it just stripped the um the wheel nut down to until these two little prongs could just be seen um and that's it once it's at that point there's nothing to grip onto it's um it's destroyed if you've ever accidentally rotated a um a, a, like a phillips head screw or and stripped the screw you'll know that you can't you can't remove it you've got to use a special tool which is what they've done they've got these this cracking tool that they basically crack the um the nut and split it in two it's actually in the shape of a giant um nutcracker um so <laughs> they'll put the wheel into that and whoosh, down it goes um incidentally uh mercedes is one of the only teams that doesn't have this with them so other teams like ferrari um, have a have the tool to get the wheel off um, on the fly as a redundancy, but no, they don't. They don't have this. There's a couple of of these redundant measures that Mercedes actually don't take with them. Um, I think one of them is also to do with the red. Fl- uh, sorry, the the pit lane closure, which is why Hamilton got that penalty last year. Anyway, point is, Mercedes didn't see this coming, and it was absolute embarrassment i can still hear that wheel gun you know you know when the, they got the second wheel gun and they spin it for about 10 seconds trying to get this thing off i oh 
Bottas was so livid he didn't even go into the Mercedes garage. He actually went back to the um, the FIA garage or the um, the the F1 garage because he couldn't face the team. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor I mean you, you've got a feel for him. And yeah. it, it, I was just thinking as you were speaking there, like I feel like with Mercedes they they're very on the edge of, on with pit stops of like fantastic or absolutely useless because. Once again, I'm thinking back to la- end of last year with when George Russell was in the car. Like, what? Like, that that was just like the biggest, you know, f up you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it and it, but it's them who who were essentially and not essentially, literally the best team there. They are top again and again and again and again. But they make they make mistakes in pit stops. In fact, I would say more now than you would see any other team make mistakes. Like obviously last year you had the. And the year and the year before the incidents with Haas, where they had some absolutely shocking pit stops earlier on, where both cars failed, um, you know, to attach the wheel properly. But in the past, if you think genuinely in the past sort of six or so months, I would personally say the worst pit stops we've seen have come from Mercedes. Some of the best have also come from Mercedes. You you mm. mentioned some great ones for Lewis, but they're not consistent at all now. Now I think about it, so yeah, what a shame before Valtteri um but it definitely made the race more interesting I um there's nothing quite like that absolute fear when you're watching a pit stop you're, the fear of the, the and panic in the team when you see like whether it's something that's gone wrong like we saw in the with the you know with the with George Russell's pit stop or where there's absolute like panic someone's running around backwards and forwards at the wrong tire they're like it's it's a hectic situation quite like no other but it added so much to this race and i think as you mentioned earlier tom it added so much what it needed this race needed it like i wouldn't say it was boring compared to other ones because it was actually a decent monaco grand prix but and valtteri's incident um for me made it um more exciting and um yeah i'm glad it happened but i'm i feel sorry for him still it's funny because this sort of this weekend we're seeing Mercedes being uncharacteristically quite rattled in my view. Like obviously normally we see Hamilton complain about the tires, but the man was really, really angry about oh come on guys, I can't believe I'm still behind Gasly, etc. etc. Couple that with the, the qualifying of, you know, seventh place for Hamilton. Um yes, Bottas was third, but it's a DNF, so it's minimal points. And um as you say Add that on with a pit stop. It's almost like with Mercedes, if things aren't blowing exactly in the right direction and they have they don't hold all the cards or you know all the chess pieces per se, then it does have a tendency to sort of fall apart. Very sporadically, granted, but but still. Very much like it goes well, but then if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It goes really like wrong. if you yeah, think of yeah. the the incident I was just talking about, or you've got the the you know the the one where they uh, Germany where they had their special. <laughs> Lederhosen, was it 150 yeah, yeah. and they yeah. were dressed in the yeah later has and then that was shockingly wrong you know there's mm. the, they seem to either yeah 90 percent of the time thankfully for them do fantastically well but when they go wrong they go wrong and maybe that was one of these occasions maybe it's because a team had a had a throwback thing going on you know yeah. and then and then of course we had the williams one as well that was just it apparently mercedes's achilles heel is when any team starts doing <laughs> a throwback thing so mm. all the teams need to do is a continuous throwback thing and uh there you go there'll be a back of the grid behind Haas but unfortunately I think Mercedes did look like a really good midfield team this weekend and but it's important to emphasize that this isn't necessarily just because they are poor but actually because Hamilton couldn't do his usual thing which is 
get back from you know the blink of, brink of disaster up into sort of second place because it's Monaco. If if I'd said to you it's the British Grand Prix and Vettel has just done an, a great overcut, Gasly's in front of Hamilton and Vettel's just got out in front of him. If I said to you, oh yeah, do you think both of those would be able to keep Hamilton back? No. No. Well, exactly. <laughs> and so, so it's important to emphasise that the, this problem was, I think, is unique to Monaco. I'm fingers crossed Bottas's problem is unique to, to Monaco <laughs> and nowhere else. Um, jokes if he turns up next you know, in two weeks with that, that front left still on. Just, yeah, <laughs> he's like rocking it still. Permanent but, tire. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, so I think that's part of the issue this weekend was Hamilton was so annoyed because there was this moment of there is nothing he can do. You know, he's a good driver, but there's no chance he's going to get past. It's And, you know, it would have been great for there to be more action in Monaco. In fact, it would be nice to see the action that there was, Mr. Hey. Race Controller, yeah. um, who decided to cut into Stroll's face when, uh, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen? Stroll. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, the meme potential of that one is, is well, is palpable. It's already being, it's is, already is. being overly utilised on Twitter, certainly. Um, and, and why not? Like, there's been so many things relating to F1 and not just F1. I saw one earlier that was... Remember when um, Michael Schumacher went on Top Gear and they revealed him as the stick? Like, obviously, he wasn't. Yeah. But, like, they revealed him as the stick and he was slowly pulling off the helmet and Jeremy goes, is it Susan Boyle or whatever he says? And then it's, the helmet's, like, slowly coming off his head and then it's just, like, Stroll's face! <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you could just put it in front of anything and it would be funny. Like, it's, it's oh. so good and it's just, like, a... What I like about it is there's just like a group of people around the world that all understand this joke now, but then yeah, no one yeah. else does. Yeah. Poor Stroll as well, because it had to be strolled in. It. I yeah. think you're like, which driver are they going to cut to to ruin, you know, the bit of excitement? And the, I'm sorry, they did it again, which is unforgi- yeah. Yeah, unforgivable. Yeah, yeah. But there, it should, if you don't know why this happened, it's there's a quirk of Formula One, which is to do with Monaco, in that... It is the only race where the Monaco TV group do the the race directing um, for the television. This is part of Monaco's privilege. They also don't pay any hosting fees either because it's... Uh, I suppose you, you might say that it's because people value Monaco um, more than Formula One. So Monaco Oof. doesn't really need Formula One. Formula One needs Monaco. So they have these like weird quirks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. But what it means is it was Monaco uh, own TV group who were doing the um, the controlling, which is why we get a, an interesting uh, view of the race uh, during that time. So fingers crossed that um, we won't be seeing that again. And by the time we get to Baku, I, um, the program should return to its normal, actually quite well directed self, I'd say. So yeah, they, that's why it yeah. happened. Um, and and the fact as well that that was literally one of the only pieces of on track action we saw aside from the starts. I mean, I would say it's a sackable offence, but considering we cannot or F one cannot sack this person because he works for Monaco. Um, yeah, just just uh, all, uh, the fact as well is they corrected it for the for the for the YouTube video for the highlights that I watched before this. I was waiting for uh, for Stroll to pop up again, but they had absolutely no shame and decided no, we'll actually show you the the footage. Which if they had some bottle, they'd um have kept it exactly as it was. But um there we are. It's um <laughs> it's certainly yeah hopefully makes the point that that maybe shouldn't be happening in the future the but as you say Tristan if it's in the 
in the contract it might be quite difficult to to change but um we're speaking about um this 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 racing action between um Vettel and and Gasly and I thought this is perfect time uh, to, to ask you guys about about Sebastian Vettel and obviously this was a really really strong day uh, for him and even qualifying in eighth mm. I was quite impressed I I was well, that's, whoa, good as we're gonna get you know um, I'm really really good and the fact as well that Stroll was thirteenth in quality shows you know it's not just the car was performing quite well you know Sebastian really really put in a great lap and I think maybe that shows experience because mm-hmm. he has driven Monaco so many times and you know it just it he's got that knowledge of the track that's a bit more than some of the other drivers and no he did fantastically and then from eighth I thought you know what that that sounds great like stay about there maybe if there's any instance you might gain one or two but fantastic but the way that he drove was actually really, really impressive. And then the result of P5 for Seb in in the car he's in, mm. um, congrats to him. Like, I'm, I'm so glad to see it. And I just want to see him on the podium and like <laughs> all of that again. And mm-hmm. it's great to see him up there, it really is. Well, it was, a, it was a fantastic drive from Vettel. And uh, I think what well, I alluded, uh, alluded to earlier that the, the overcut worked really nicely in Monaco and absolutely did. This is one of the things that Hamilton started whining about on the radio. Oh, told you I could go longer on my tyres. My tyres feel great. Which is a very weird thing for, for Hamilton to say. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Bono, my tyres feel great. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bono, they feel so good. Where did you put me? Um, <laughs> sorry, Hamilton, but it's got to be said. Um, yeah, it was it was it was just a fantastic drive and this was a combination of of multiple things really why Vettel got out in front of Hamilton because what what happened was that Gasly was ahead of Hamilton Gasly had just got out on a uh, uh, on a new pair of tyres and that meant he had a pretty slow outlap as the tyres were quite cold what this did was hold Hamilton back as Hamilton can't get past because, you know, no blue flags, he's racing Gasly. And Mm. then this allowed Vettel to put in an absolute storm of a lap. He did brilliantly on that on that lap and unfortunately we didn't get to see it um and then so that meant when he got into the pits he'd actually decreased the gap if you like to Hamilton. So at this point he'd be coming out ever slightly behind him. And then, bear in mind, Gazzy's holding at Hamilton. The Aston Martin uh, pit crew do a great job of changing his tyres. And that also puts uh, Vettel in a great position. And so they come out at this wheel-to-wheel moment as they go flying round the corner up up the um, up the hill. And uh, what happened after that, we'll never know. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was, a, this was bad luck Hamilton, I'm afraid. Um, and mm. I, I guess, and so th- this is what the overcut can do, really. Uh, if you get this this moment where another driver is being held right back from one of the drivers in front, then it gives you the opportunity in some clean air to put in some great lap times. Because unfortunately, again, this is because it's Monaco, you have to follow behind the car in front pretty much the whole way round. And that means you get this deficit in your wing performance, which given that it's monaco and you don't go very fast means that you know the 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 decrease in performance of the corners massively outweighs the increase in performance along the straights because there aren't any straights so something's yeah. got to be done about monaco because it was an absolute procession it was yeah. so 
dull. Apart from, as you say, Liv, the the excitement of Bottas, um, Bottas's wheel. That nothing happened. It's ju- mm. not even a safety car. And the fact as well, you have like many different commentators. I won't name them, but um, a, a couple saying like, you know, many people criticise Monaco, but in my view, you've got to do all different types of circuits. And coming here to a street circuit like Monaco, where it's so difficult, uh, really to separate the men from the boys, etc., etc., which I kind of get in terms of qualifying. But if no one crashes, then it's incredibly dull. But um, I don't think I, I don't think anyway we should get away from the fact that. Going back to Aston Martin, how important and integral that fifth and eighth place could be uh, for them and the constructors. I mean, it wasn't you know many moons ago that I was preparing uh, to go and say how Alpine were doing a fantastic job, how they were going to separate from Aston Martin and AlphaTauri and leave them in their wake and you know consolidate fifth to themselves. I'm looking at the table now, and they're currently in seventh, two points behind Aston Martin in fifth. So. That's such a big weekend for Aston Martin, and I think it's even bigger when we consider that I don't think we're going to see a 5th and an 8th place from Aston Martin, sorry guys, uh, moving forwards because of the nature of Monaco. So if you're Seb Vettel, if you're Lance Stroll, if you're Stroll Senior, then you're loving Monaco you know, to the ground, but yeah, anywhere else you're uh, not a huge fan of because speed and a race car. Um, I personally, just going back to... To what Tristan said, you know, oh, it's incredibly, incredibly boring. It was, <laughs> and I think that yeah, the, the excitement did come from the Bottas um, incident and also what was going on with Seb. But I, I, I've got to just say again, I don't think it was as boring as we've seen in the past. And I do, and also Tom, on what you said, I do agree that it is good to have this in sometimes, as as you mentioned or commentator said. But I think that. We, if it wasn't for Monaco, we wouldn't have seen, as we just said, Seb necessarily in fifth, and and maybe not Lando or Carlos, you know, in in the top in the top three. Maybe we probably would have seen Max up there. Um, we w- definitely wouldn't have seen Hamilton remaining in seventh because, as we've discussed, he wouldn't have just made his way right back up again. Um, so personally, I'm quite glad that it that the race was there because it's just made the championship a hell of a lot more exciting. Max is now in the lead. This is the first time he's ever been in the lead of a, of a championship in any of in his career. Like he's obviously done fantastically enough in his career to make his way up, but he's never been in the lead of a championship before. So mm. this is a really huge moment. And so I would say like let's never take Monaco away because <laughs> it's probably a bit boring. But look what it's done to this season. Like it's it's had such a huge effect and mainly for mainly for a positive as as we've been discussing and so i would say thank you for that but also it's been quite disappointing for a number of drivers too which again makes things more interesting it was diff- it was difficult as we as we've said for, for mercedes and it was incredibly difficult for the likes of alonso and, and daniel ricardo in particular who i think we're going to discuss because Take odd, like that's his place. That's his Monaco is, you know, it's the love of his life. That track, and you know, when that moment a couple of years ago was probably one of his. I would say, I mean, obviously it's up to him, <laughs> but one of the best moments of his career. So, you know, what does this mean for Daniel Ricciardo, and how must it feel? Like he posted afterwards, you know, I still love it here, you know, but God, that is properly a difficult, difficult, you know, result for him, and and it's going to be. And it's 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 it's, it's more tif- difficult and worse in the sense that it's not as if both cars finish out of the top ten. The other car had a, was a podium. You know, it's such mm. an extreme. 
you know, he was lapped, as we know, as because Lando waved to him as he yeah. lapped him. Yeah. Dear God, boy! <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be punched. Like, <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo's a lovely person. He wouldn't punch But it, it really is some a bit of a cruel thing to do. But it shows the difference is extreme. It, it's not just a couple of places. So... Yeah, what do you guys think about Ricardo? Is there is there any way back for him now, or is could this be the you know the end of his F one journey after this season? I mean, I don't think it's going to be the end of his journey, but this is a, a huge moment for him. Like we were, I think, sort of saying somewhat on the podcast, but off. Like hmm, it's not been a great start for Ricardo, but probably he'll find his feet. I mean, I even said last episode, you know, a couple the livery with this being uh, his favourite track and the fact that he scored eighty five points there. We could see one of Ricardo's best ever. Uh, race results um, with the car but you know qualifying 12 finishing 12 that is an absolute disaster and and I'm afraid I don't really buy this argument anymore that oh but it's a different car he's having to learn a bit um you know give him time give him space type thing first of all this type of treatment wasn't given to Albon wasn't given to Gasly I don't believe it's been given to Perez that much at the moment um yes he's got fourth place but I've been seeing murmurings on social media about how you know he should be doing better etc etc and when you consider the Carlos Sainz who was at McLaren now at Ferrari he finished second and this is his first season in that Ferrari and when you consider he's climbed all the way up from Toro Rosso to Ferrari he's had four cars he's had to deal with uh, negotiate with and score points with to earn a seat at Ferrari which regardless of their sort of recent um, patchy form is a huge accolade to ever have shows that I don't really buy this argument of uh, but it's a new it's a new piece of gear type thing um I think really if this wasn't Ricardo and he wasn't sort of a, a big personality in the paddock that he'd be getting a lot more criticism than he's currently been getting in my view but that may that may all change now this may be a watershed moment and part of me thinks it's it's kind of warranted really well tom you know thing about ricardo is it's a new car you've got to give him time (laughs) no i uh i i kind of feel what you mean but i suppose it's difficult isn't it because who knows Uh, who knows what's going on i expected more from him i did um but there were a lot of there were a lot of good drivers uh, this weekend. Giovinazzi, for example, was up there. Absolute outstanding drive from him. Mm. The um, Alfa Romeo looked really fast, and for whatever it didn't click. So yeah, I suppose you might be right that Albon didn't have that sort of forgiveness given to him. The critics were quick to critique Albon, and the uh, well, the good doctor was quick to put him out of his misery. And put him down. Luckily, <laughs> McLaren is a family-friendly ordeal, who are wholesome as anything. In fact, I really enjoyed seeing Christian Horner and Zach Brown um, being congratulatory towards each other for the for the successes um, that they both had in, in Monaco. So, I don't think Ricardo is going to be, you know, looking at the back door um, anytime soon. And I, I genuinely do believe that the that he will do better um, by the end of the season. At the end of the day, we have seen drivers you know, take a while to warm up in the car and, and do much better. And 
I, I always fear for a driver a little bit because of the Red Bull problem. When they start saying, nobody critiques a race more than I do. I just, I can hear Gasly saying it. I can hear Albon saying it. And they were given the chop. So let's not drag Ricardo in front of the guillotine too fast. Because, you know, it was a pretty poor performance. Absolutely. But he didn't qualify well. If I said to you, he's qualified 12th, bad qualifying. Where does he go from there at Monaco? He's going to stay at 12th. You know, I, I still stand by the fact that Monaco's um, qualifying is the most important thing. I got super hyped for, for Saturday because of that. And we were sitting there in front of the TV, watching qualifying going on. And, ah, oh, the clerk's in the lead. Brilliant. Well, that means he's going to win the race. Obviously, that, that uh, didn't transpire. But fact of the matter is, is Monaco is such an outlier in terms of how well a car does or, or a driver does that you can't really draw anything from it. It would have been nice to see a um, a safety car or something just to mix things up. But no, Mazepin, this was your moment. You you didn't take it. You could have done something. Um, although actually, Mazepin was like the one of the cleanest drivers of all with all the weekend. So um, yeah, you know, fair play to him. He did what he needed to do. He got out of the way um, really nicely actually, and uh, didn't mess up anything. So yeah, you know, maybe he's learning a little bit. I'm I'm super excited for um for Baku because that's a street race you can really get your teeth into. I can't yeah. I can't wait. It's like eleven days or something ridiculous. But um yeah, Monaco. Ugh. Let let let's just let's just get rid of it or or no, just skip some. I just argued the case. I just argued the I case know for you it. Did, but I've been look what it's done to the championship. Oh, anyway, yeah, oh right. Sorry, okay. Sorry. Hold on a minute though. Yeah. Yes, it's fine. Have... It did something to the championship. But mm-hmm. live. Come on. It's, ooh, it, you know, it'd do something to the championship if, if Hamilton got unwell for two months. But it doesn't mean we want that to happen. <laughs> like, you know, just because it made a difference this time yeah. isn't a case for it remaining in the calendar. Just mix it up a That's bit. A Come on. Something's got to be done. Because, you know, it was dull as dishwater. I mean, unless you're actually going to Monaco, who's looking forward to Monaco? I do. Okay. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking forward to it. Um, I don't know why. I was. I just felt particularly exciting this year. I. I don't have a reason, but maybe because the championship is a bit closer. I don't know. But um, I thought it was. I don't. I didn't dislike it. I did. I didn't. I don't think it's a classic, as I've seen quite a lot of people people say. I. I completely agree. But I don't think it was the worst thing that could have happened, and I actually think it turned out to have throw up some interesting situations and yeah i'm, I'm happy for it to, I, I we've had this conversation a million times before and the listeners probably so fed up of it i'm happy for it to occasionally be swapped out or whatever if we're going to mix it up fine um but i don't think it needs it should ever go um but just talking about the race itself like i think it and, and you mentioned mazpin i think it's fantastic that it was well not i don't actually but there was no safety car I was going to say fantastic because it's good that no one's no one's hit the wall. But at the same time, a safety car would have also made things kind of more interesting as well. Um, mm. But I think I'm shocked that there wasn't a safety car so. on, you know, the, and I think I saw a lot of people say, you know, it's actually incredible to think that these the drivers control, you know, their these cars for 70, what was it, 78 laps on that track at pushing to the absolute limit and not one person caused an incident. I mean, I mm-hmm. personally think that it shows the talent of all. I, I'm actually saying that of all ever, well. everyone there. No, I know I am because in, I think 
obviously it was, I think they had wet conditions, so I can't really say the same thing, but in the F2 race, there, were, there was like four safety, in the sprint race, there was like four safety cars uh, or virtual safety cars anyway. Um, so it, it, it was impressive, impressive in that sense, but, but maybe not what we, maybe we wanted a bit of safety car, we wanted a bit of rain, but mm. um, I just think it's worth noting that I, I reckon everyone was surprised about the fact there wasn't someone in the wall or the swimming pool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't feel too bad of saying that you know you'd like to see someone hit the wall. I suppose the nice thing about Monaco is is <laughs> the, the, it's such a slow track that you know someone clips clips a sausage curb or something. You know, I I did actually think when we cut to Stroll, I thought he ran over the sausage curb and then just slammed it into the barrier. Which yeah, like, which is why we're and, seeing it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, maybe, maybe they jumped the gun. Maybe they thought that was going to happen. But anyway, um, so yeah, it was a bit. It was, it was an unusual one. And again, add it to the segment aged like milk. Um, the oh, there will definitely be a safety car at Monaco, won't there? Oh yeah, they will always. Oh yeah, I'll make it interesting. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It surprised us. So let's hope Baku continues to be a. Uh, a, a race that throws up some interesting things. It is the only race that if I don't watch it live, I set a plus three hours um, of the of, um, on the recording um, because sometimes we've had hilariously long races from um, from Baku. So with Monaco behind us, I think it's you know it this is a good moment to reflect on the fact that this is the first time for well like three or four years someone else is leading the championship. Yeah. It's so good to see Red Bull leading the constructors. It's excellent to see Max Verstappen first time leading the uh, the the driver standing. Will I think it will continue? I don't know. I I really hope there's a there'll be a proper fight because I suppose Liv, I'll, I'll give it to you. Monaco has split the drivers' championship wide open again. So let's find out, I guess. And so ends episode 9 of F1 in Review. Uh, We'll be back next week talking about all things F1, carrying on with the controversy at Monaco and off-the-track issues, which are the institute just there, so um, rewind if you missed it. And moving forwards, of course, there is the next Grand Prix in Baku, Azerbaijan, on the 4th of June. Um, That will be for Friday anyway, continuing onto the weekend and um, the controversy and reverberations will no doubt be felt uh, for a great deal longer after that race but until next time thank you very much for listening